Euronet Plus Panorama is a weekly review of European news broadcast by our network of EU radio stations. Welcome back to Euronet Plus Panorama. With Thursday's emergency meeting of European leaders successfully unblocking the bloc's long-term budget, the question remains, how should the EU handle Orban going forwards? This week, we return to the subject of our final podcast of 2023. Just as Europe's leaders have once again congregated in the European capital, finally reaching unanimity on a revised long-term budget that will run until 2027. With a €50 billion aid package for Ukraine, as well as additional defence support for the besieged nation, caught up in the budget wranglings, Hungary's vetoing of the package back in December was seen as calculated and manipulative. And given Viktor Orban's not-so-secret pro-Russian sympathies, the same can certainly be said for his objections to Finland and Sweden's NATO membership. For this reason, tensions were really beginning to mount in the run-up to the 1st of February meeting, with rumours that Brussels was ready to undermine the Hungarian economy if Orban vetoed the package yet again. Asta Skysgiritje, the Lithuanian president's chief advisor on foreign policy issues, told Ginu Radias earlier this week that this was of course more bluster than a serious policy proposal. Well, I find it hard to imagine that the European Union would try to undermine one of its own member states to create some kind of artificial inflation or something like that. That doesn't sound serious. But as a blackmail tool, spreading such a myth is, I would say, possible. Any attempts at playing dirty on Brussels' part would clearly play straight into Viktor Orban's hands. And the EU is obliged to do things by the book. But in this ever more confrontational context, the general question of how to deal with Hungary is proving a source of inter-institutional division. Two weeks ago in Strasbourg, the European Parliament passed a resolution to take the Commission to the European Court of Justice over its December decision to release a third of the €30 million previously withheld from Hungary over rule of law concerns. The move was seen as capitulating to blackmail in order to secure Budapest's agreement to opening accession negotiations with Ukraine. As such, MEPs denounced the deliberate, continuous and systematic efforts of the Hungarian government to undermine the founding values of the EU. And if Budapest continues in this obstructive vein, the Parliament will certainly be exerting considerable pressure on the Council to activate the next stage in the Article 7 procedure, paving the way for the suspension of Hungary's voting rights, and therefore its veto. But Luxembourg's Prime Minister, Luke Frieden, does not see this happening any time soon, a view he shares with national broadcaster 100.7. This is a discussion that has been going on for a long time, on the well-known Article 7 of the Treaty on the European Union. This is a very complicated procedure, though. It will not happen overnight, as something like that cannot be decided in one meeting. There must first be a proposal on the table. I don't see all of this happening this week. The suspension of voting rights requires unanimity among other council members. And for the time being at least, Hungary and Slovakia seem to have forged a loose alliance, with Viktor Orban finding something of a kindred spirit in Slovakian PM Robert Fico. Indeed, Orban has told domestic media 
that his ultimate goal is to foster a shift to the political right, a growing trend seen not only across Europe, but also in many other Western democracies. Jean-Michel de Waal, a Central and Eastern European specialist at Belgium's ULB University, agrees that this trend is very real. He told RTBF, prior to Thursday's summit, that Brussels needs to tread carefully. This is also a European trend. Meloni, the rise of the far right, the far right participating in a whole series of things. So we shouldn't just focus on Orban and isolate him, because by doing that we're playing into his hands, into a game of us and them. And I think that's a tactical error, because if Orban were the only one undermining the European Union, well, unfortunately, we're a long way from that. But isn't he, in fact, quite isolated? Not as much as you might think, de Waal went on. I think he has support in other parts of the EU. I think that, for a long time, a country like Austria was absolutely delighted that Orban was saying certain things because what he was saying out loud was what they wanted to say, what they were thinking. So yes, I think it's a strong trend. This said, continues de Waal, Orban and Fidso and the like are not going to shoot themselves in the foot. They know that their position is not as strong as they would like to make out, and they are ultimately pragmatic, as Orban showed in December when he walked out of the council so that the other 26 leaders could vote unanimously for the opening of accession negotiations with Ukraine. The Hungarian economy is the sickest economy in the Central European region in terms of inflation, lack of economic growth and so on. So we'll see at the council what's more important, these ideological points of principle or the realism that comes with still needing European funds. The Slovak Prime Minister holds the same positions, but he needs European funds so badly both to develop Slovakia and to maintain its mafia-like networks that Fico is not going to go to the trouble because European funds are too important to him. This is, of course, how things ultimately transpired at Thursday's brief council session, with Orban backing down after receiving a handful of fairly nominal concessions. But the upcoming presidency of the Council of the EU, which Hungary is scheduled to take over in July, remains a concern. Estonian Renew Europe member Urmas Part reminds Cuckoo Radio of Hungary's recent assessment by Freedom House, a US-based lobbying organisation committed to supporting and defending democracy around the globe. Last year, according to a country index, Hungary was the first EU member state to be classified as a partly free country instead of a free country. This poses a serious danger to the wider world as well. The aim is to put pressure on the current Hungarian government, which has the support of an absolute majority in the Hungarian parliament, to modify its current policies and to bring its legislation and practices into line with the general standards of the European Union, which Hungary itself committed to when it joined. MEP Part offers some reassurance, though, stressing that in practical terms, the damage Hungary could do at the helm of Europe is fairly limited. 
yet he acknowledges that having Orban as the figurehead could certainly cause a bit of an image problem for the bloc. It just looks bad when the leader of a country that has problems adhering to the EU's fundamental principles and values is now heading up the European Council, where such critical decisions are taken. This looks very strange indeed. Against the wider backdrop of concern about Hungary's potential to cause trouble for the bloc, arguments in favour of EU treaty reform in particular regarding the decision-making mechanism within the Council, are gaining ground. AMS shares a statement to this effect by Germany's Minister of State for Europe, Anna Lurdmann, who was speaking on Monday in Brussels, where she was attending the General Affairs Council. The EU has given itself a number of instruments to protect the rule of law. Instruments such as the Article 7 procedure, which has existed in the treaties for some time, and the conditionality regulation have been created. I think it's important that we now discuss, especially under the Belgian Council Presidency, how we can further tighten up these rule of law instruments, how we can reform them. This is an issue that the Belgian Council Presidency would like to address at the end of April, And I think we will also talk about the voting hurdles that exist in this area, as well as whether we can apply these existing mechanisms to other values in addition to the rule of law. Because it is clear that only an EU that truly protects its rule of law is a strong EU. On a separate but related note, the case of a Milanese teacher, Ilaria Salis, is putting Italian PM Giorgio Meloni's traditionally warm relationship with Viktor Orban to the test. Salis was arrested in Budapest last February for her alleged role in violent assaults against a number of far-right demonstrators. She is due to stand trial in May and is facing up to 11 years in prison if found guilty. Images showing Salis arriving at a Budapest court in chains on Monday have provoked outrage in Italy's media and political circles. Maloney has felt compelled to make a personal appeal to Orban to intervene in the case and ensure that the conditions under which prisoners are detained are in line with EU legislation. The possibility of keeping Salis under house arrest until her trial has also been touted, as her father tells Milan's Radio 24. At this moment, the trial is a secondary issue. First, we need to bring Ilaria home and get house arrest in Italy as soon as possible. Yesterday saw some scandalous situations in terms of trial management. The trial is totally distorted. No translated documents were provided by the prosecution as required by law. We'll see about the trial, but for now we all need to be focused on bringing her home. Stop making appeals. There has been a lot of talk on this topic, but we just need someone to roll up their sleeves and get the job done. The Salis case, along with the situation of other prisoners in Hungary's jails, is due to be debated at the Parliament's opening plenary session in Strasbourg on Monday. That's it for today. Join us again next week. Same time, same place. <laughs>